It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, thank you for staying with me. This is Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. With me is my national award-winning author, Mac Borgen, who is actually a graduate of my University of California at Cal Berkeley and a Harvard Law School. And he has released the books. Volume one is the book we'll be talking about today in his Dead Serious and Light-Hearted series, The Memorable Words of Modern America, This is going to be Volume 1, 1957 to 1976. Volume 2 will be 1977 to 1993. And he is currently working on Volume 3. It is a definite, definite historical, monumental task to be finding the right words in this large work. Welcome, Mac, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, good to be here. Nice to talk with you. Well, it's. I'm really glad to have you on the show. Not too long ago, you were a fabulous guest on our young adult show, Express Yourself, and giving us all a history lesson that was both lighthearted and, of course, dead serious. So let's just get going right away. I wanted to get into... Uh, the book, one of the things that you say, because I've, I've shared with you that I was a history major at Cal Berkeley, and so I really love history, and I love what you've done with this book, Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America, by finding not just the commentary, but you talk about the movies, the books, um, the seminal things that were happening in, in these years in ni- between 1957 and 1976. And in the beginning of your book, when you're talking about the purposes and challenges of history and community, you have written about the multi-generational ignorance that escalates the risk of misunderstanding because America is seen so differently now because we have four distinct generations. So I loved what you said that The old don't understand the young. The young don't understand the old. The middle generations play referee. What do you think is happening in America today with the idea of history? And what can we do as uh, citizens, besides reading your book, Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America, to kind of bridge that gap between this ignorance and confusion and disbelief of what's happened in the past and what's actually happening today? Well, I think that there are a number of things that can be done. Um, The place to begin probably is to appreciate what you just described. And uh, when we talk about four separate generations, first of all, we have to recognize but that's somewhat a function of purely the life expectancy, longevity. This is the first time in American history that we've had four generations side by side. Secondly, to, to kind of put a, a, a vision on the distinctions between those generations, 
Um, I mean, we could talk about millennials and baby boomers, but let's make it more visual. One generation thinks Pearl Harbor. One generation thinks JFK's assassination or landing on the moon. Another generation uh, thinks 9-11. Completely different frames of reference. And yet, one of the things that is common to all those four generations is, number one, we're on the same soil. And number two, we all have a vote. And I, I have a, a uh, 15-year-old son. And for, for listeners who, who have or, or have children at home or have had children, there's an entire generation coming up that believes that history is, at best, a hobby, quite irrelevant, a bunch of, of old battles and, and dates and places that really have very little relevance in an age of the Internet. We think of this, the impact of technology in terms of, oh my gosh, it's irrelevant because the industry has changed or it's irrelevant because of the means of our communication. But you know what? There's also a perception that history is irrelevant, but it applies to things as well and concepts. A millennial would have no idea, especially looking, for example, at our political environment today, and my book is very neutral that way. However, looking at our political environment today, a millennial would have no understanding that it was commonplace for, to use one example, Ronald Reagan, uh, obviously a devout Republican, and Tip O'Neill from Massachusetts, Speaker of the House, a devout Democrat, routinely broke bread and drank together. Literally, drinks after five was a joke they used to have. Um, that is before the age of the Internet, and that is relevant in this way. It's relevant because history can remind us that not, not only the way things used to be, but how quickly they can change. And here's an exciting notion, how, thing, how quick things can change back. Right. If it this far in 15, 20 years, it can go the other direction in 15, 20 years. But most importantly, if I could leave one thought to close this little question, it's important to remember that actually history is fun. Americans well, know and that's what your book more than we. Hello. Yes, I was just saying. I think this Hello? is what your book brings to the uh, awareness of the reader: is that history is fascinating. It's not just all dates and places and wars and battles. You know, it really does have some very deep. Um, conversations and I, I especially love all the different movies that you talk about and and I have different memories of what won the Academy Award so I mean history really is fun because it is it reflects what was happening at our time and how interesting it is how often it does repeat itself as we go forward it can repeat itself if we take certain steps that's correct it has a lot to um, but, but you know, Cynthia, it's, it's also, like you just said, history is not just a matter of studying, but it's also a matter of reminding. Many of your list, uh, listeners right now, and you and I, we lived it. We right. just have to kind of refresh our memories. I, I can say certain words right now, 
and certain people will know exactly where they were when they are. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Boom. <laughs> there you go. That's O.J. Simpson. Yeah. So we know a lot more than, act, than we act like we do. I don't want to defer to other people to tell me what this country should do. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I do have my little one-vote opinion. I think we, Americans know a lot more than we, we think we do. Well, we probably don't give ourselves credit for what we do know. We are talking yep. with Mac W. Borgen. His book is Dead Serious and Lighthearted. We're talking about Volume 1. He's actually working all the way on Volume 3. The Memorable Words of Modern America. His website is MacWBorgan.com. Well, um, I want to jump forward. First of all, in, you start with 1957. And the interesting thing in 1957, the population of America, as you wrote in your book, was 53.9%. Of, uh, of the population of 2015. So it's, it, it was about half the population of what it is today, uh, a little bit more, right? Yet, yeah, absolutely. And, and so many things happened in 1957 that I, you know, that I don't think that people even remember what it was. Like a couple of the things that just really hit me was the television line of, Lucy, I'm home. <laughs> that was Desi Arnaz <laughs> playing Ricky Ricardo. And I mean, that is a line that people still today use, even if you weren't around in 1957. People really uh, understand what that meant. And of course, the, the big event, I think, in 57 was Sputnik. And the fear that it really started in America and probably the real beginning of our Cold War. And, um, and, yeah. then, also, and then also, what, you know, the movies that were, that what were there in, um, in 1957 and the inaugural, the second inaugural address of Dwight D. Eisenhower which, again, the, there's probably, what, three generations alive or two generations at least uh, today that may not even, you know, remember how important Dwight D. Eisenhower was for our nation at that time. But it, this is the reason that you started in 1957, because this really was the beginning of the modern America after World War II and um, everybody, you know, it was like a good time in life, right? It was a pretty good time. I, I, I think for, for most Americans, not for all, because there's also right, well, nothing's ever for time, all, is it? Uh, the same year that, that we had to have federal troops escort young black children into Little Rock, Arkansas, and the beginning right. of the Civil Rights Movement. Right. But there's the one other reason I can't throw in there is that, in that around the 1957, one of the years I selected it, is that was a, the, the, the years in which some very smart people in New York City, on Madison Avenue, decided that there was a new marketing target. And they came up with the word teenagers. It had never been heard before. And all of, and we now routinely talk about teenagers, but back then, there was mom, dad, family. The, the concept of an independent teenager was not to be found. That's another reason that's why I selected that as a year of the beginning of modern America. And there are many alternative years that could have been selected, but I explained in the book why I chose that year. 
Right, right. Well, and and you are the author of the book, so you get to select the year that you wanted to. <laughs> right? <laughs> One of the doubtful privileges, I guess. You're right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Well, I'm going to jump to the year of 1961 because Pulitzer Prize for Fiction was To Kill a Mockingbird. And this, uh, what I, again, I'm getting back to what I really like in your book is how you have sifted through all the important aspects of what has happened in, in modern America and um, highlighted kind of things that I, so many of us have forgotten, and I like to remind myself, what was the Pulitzer Prize? You know, what were the seminal books? What were the television lines? And again, we're speaking about the book Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern, uh, Modern America. The most widely viewed television shows, Wagon Train, Bonanza, and Gunsmoke, how different that is from the most widely viewed television shows of today. Yes. I, mean, I think I think about yes. it. Three Absolutely. those three were all three westerns, right? And and then we went through an era of crime, and now we're in an era. Yeah, that's why we go we go through. I I won't necessarily say we we evolve and get better, but we do change. Mm-hmm. Well, and West Side Story in 1961 was won the Best Picture Award in the Academy Awards, and it's I find it fascinating that the story behind West Side Story, which is sort of like the Romeo and Juliet, right, of a, a modern day, yeah. that is still happening. That is still happening. There are still, you know, differences in in uh, race relations, and so this is what I mean about. We can really learn from history when we study, you know, go back and see what was popular and what we were doing. 1969, again, go ahead. You'll find in the book that I I draw a distinction between what I refer to as data words, Um, movie lines, television shows, seminal books, and those are critical. Those are critical to understanding our history. But the, the other part of the book, maybe the, the, uh, the thicker part of the book, for lack of a better phrase, are the, the words uh, of writers and speakers. And when those words, I, I try to identify exactly who said what, where, and when. And then in about a page or a page and a half for each, each included statement, I try to set a concept and an ex- context and explanation of why that was important. So there are two parts in each chapter for every year. There's the data words, wagon train, etc. And then there are the, the for kind of the thicker words, the more important things well, that I happened think they're that more year. Important. Each with an These explanation are more the serious words. Briefly. Well, and that's what I was getting to because my favorites come in 1969 with... One Small Step for Man, One Giant Leap for Mankind, astronaut Neil Armstrong's first words when he set foot on the moon, um, July 20th, 1969. That was a really, really big day for America. And no matter, I think, what year you were born, I think that is the day that people learn about. And it has... um, left behind some, you know, some very important thoughts, I think, for for all of us. I know that was a special day for you as well, right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. We, we all remember that day. 
Yes, people remember it. Well, the other, I mean, again, going back to 1969, it was um, the Helter Skelter. Now, that was a very scary time. Charles Manson recently died in prison, thank goodness, and he was the leader of that cult, the family, and um, was responsible for the deaths of uh, Sharon Tate and several other people. Sharon Tate was married to Roman Polanski. But it seems like so many things happened uh, that in that day. And then the, the other uh, line in there, three days of peace and music, Woodstock. Now, Woodstock has become synonymous yes. with music. I mean, ever since, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yeah. So, I mean, it seemed like that was a very, that was, there were many special, special words in that year um, that actually just stick in, in my, you know, in my memory. Um, But let's move on to another year here. So, I, (laughs) one of my favorite things, I was in um, Europe recently, and some of my friends from Norway, we started talking about Yogi Berra. And you have many different <laughs> quotes from Yogi Berra because he really was one of Major League uh, Baseball's just greatest catchers. But some of his funny things, and I didn't realize what year you know that he had actually said these, but I think it was 1972, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore or the future ain't what it used to be. Um, if you come to a fork in the road... When you get to a- yeah, when take you get it. To a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> I, Yogi Bear, I I never had the pleasure of meeting him. However, I I'm sure I would have laughed for weeks. I think he so. Was, uh, the only person who came close in modern age is Bob Buecher. Um But but Yogi Bear is uh, deserved to be remembered as memorable words because he's part of our colorful past. He's part of a very colorful past, and um, you wrote that, and I didn't, I don't remember this this quote, but I really loved it. That the readers of the Economist in two thousand five named Yogi Berra the wisest fool of the past fifty years, but his quotes were really, <laughs> I thought they were just really, really something. But then going to nineteen seventy three, now we get to um, Richard Nixon. And the second inaugural dress of uh, Richard Nixon, I think we were kind of hitting, um, we were really getting to some conflicting times. What would you say? Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the Watergate uh, was certainly one of them, but Watergate's got to be viewed in, in the same context as the end of Vietnam and the, the, the turmoil of the sixties. There, there was, there's a, a fascinating, um, you possibly know Ken Burns is, he's a oh, filmmaker. Yes, I, and I love Ken Burns. Yeah. He's fantastic. What a great he, documentarian, probably the greatest. He, 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 I, he may be a fantastic documentarian. He had recently done a film on Vietnam, which was at the end of Vietnam occurred at, at overlap with Watergate. Mm-hmm. And in his episode three um, uh, of his Vietnam, they interview a Marine who had been in Vietnam. And 
the, the, he said a, just a, a brilliant thing that I had actually never thought of and, and amidst his tears because he was reflecting upon what had happened to him and others in Vietnam. But he said something fascinating, and it ties into Watergate. He, he said it during Ken Burns' interview that the Marine said, I am of a generation, the last generation in America, that believes unquestionably what my government said. Right. And I never really thought about that, but it is true that by the end, of, by the middle of 1970s, the end of my first book there, if you will, that was a closing in one aspect because of Vietnam and because of Watergate. Watergate. From then on, the, 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 the rise of cynicism escalated. Mm-hmm. And it was the last generation that unquestionably believed what their government said. And this is in play as we listen today. It's, it's accelerated to such an extent that we now use words like fake news and so forth. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but it's gone. It's escalated even further. Um, it was a dramatic time, and it all began in the early 70s with Watergate in Vietnam, at least in my humble opinion. Well, it was the, you know, Vietnam was such a a horrific time for America. And when you reflect on what Ken Burns did in Vietnam, and I remember that episode so well with what that uh, Marine said, because I, like you, felt when he said that, I felt the same way. How right he was is that we all believed that our government couldn't lie to us, that our government was telling the truth and all of those things. And then, you know, we come to find out that everything was a falsehood. And what was it, 58,000 young men and women um, died in Vietnam. And, of course, I was in Vietnam this past year, and they don't call it the Vietnamese War. They call it the American War. And I found that very interesting, too. Well, from from their perspective, that's what it was. And that's what it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me give out your website. It's MacWBorgan, M-A-C-K-W-Borgen, B-O-R-G-E-N.com. The name of Mac's book is Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America, we're speaking about Volume 1, 1957 to 1976. However, he has two other volumes. The third one will be out uh, in the next year, and the, that the, will take... The second, the second one just came out, and at that website, my books are explained in more detail, and you can order direct from publisher discount books, uh, which I'm, I'm honored to give. Um, they, uh, if I don't mind me saying, they make a very unique and fun Gifts yes, for the holidays or for friends. It's uh, yes. they're not politically biased, but they are they are fun. Well, I, you know, and I this is a real, that I hope you will find them fun. I think that um, a a real plus for your book is how you are completely objective. Everything you're writing about is really what happened in you know with whether it be the uh, the commentary or the movies, or the books, or, you know, other other information that happened during that time. 
but you're not making a statement that is yours. You're just stating the facts, and it's not false news <laughs> because this is this is what happened, <laughs> That's right, right That's Matt? Right. This is, and it's all very well yes. researched and documented. Well, Mac, thank you so much for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, to share dead serious and lighthearted the memorable words of modern America. Again, for all my listeners, please go to MacWBorgan.com where you can find his books. You can get discounts on the books. You can order directly. And you can give a book as a gift for any occasion and of course holidays are always around the corner so don't forget about that so do you want to leave us with any um uh, ending uh, you know a final few words about your books um i guess i, I would leave uh, with a thought that that i can't emphasize too much that today our education is pushing employment jobs but education is also should be pushed in terms of understanding who we are, where we came. Right, right. It's very important, I think. You know, we have to be able to read, lead, to succeed. And so pick up a book and pick up Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America by Mac W. Borgen, because when you do, you will actually get a a very honest understanding of where we've been, and perhaps it'll give us a path to where we're going. So thank you so much, Mac, for joining me on Star Style. For all of you, please stay with me. We're going to be doing our post-fire checklist for land care and how to protect our, um, our resources when I come back from break. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Be the star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Have you ever heard of airport etiquette? Well, we all need it. You've made it to the airport on time for your next trip. But if you check your luggage at curbside, you got to make sure to also check in at the gate immediately. Checking luggage does not necessarily mean you have been okayed for the flight. Most airlines now require photo identification. Well, actually, I think all of them require that, which means it's essential that the name appearing on the ticket is the same name that's on your identification. You could be denied boarding if the two don't match exactly. So make sure you have your issued itinerary, your confirmation number, just in case of any mistakes. If you're traveling using just your printed-out e-ticket, Make sure you have the credit card with you that you made the charge on as well as your ID. If your plane is late or canceled, learn your rights as a passenger and then ask the airline politely for what you deserve, if anything. Delays are a normal part of traveling these days, so we have to be patient and bring work with you that can be accomplished in a waiting area. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Spite. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com or go to 925-377-STAR to make a call. Be the star you- 
star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show well, we are glad that we're continuing the conversation. I am such a fan of history and really enjoy books like this that are history related because uh, especially ones that incorporate pop culture and, you know, just the way that we live besides just things that are happening in the world and politics and all of that. Because what I find so much that it kind of recycles and we really do have to study history and learn from it so that we don't repeat the mistakes and instead can identify issues and move on from it. But it's a very fascinating, a fascinating book. So we know that fires are a very, very hazardous and um, dangerous aspect of California living and a lot of the West Coast, um, you know, Western United States. And just in this last year has been the worst fire seasons, and we're in actually a second season, in our history. Last night, I was at an event and was sitting next to the director of forestry uh, for the state of California, actually. And we were talking about what's happening and how we have to manage our forests difference and differently and you know what is just really happening out there so there's a few things that i wanted to talk about in this segment because every fire is different and every landowner has to face unique challenges to secure and restore their land after a fire now past disasters have given us some general principles that can help each of us make right decisions and we can learn to educate our neighbors to do the right thing. So let's just go over a few things that whether you live in the country or you live in a city or town, because as we see, full cities have been burnt to the ground in areas that never, ever um, had the potential, or at least they didn't think they had the potential to be burning. So always remember safety first. Before ever going back or entering a burned site, make sure you have the go-ahead from the local fire officials because their hazards include the hot spots. They're on stable structures. There's trees. There's power lines, landslides, mudslides, toxic ash, and debris. 
vegetation ash isn't toxic, but ash from human-made materials that could have asbestos, heavy metals, or other hazardous substances. In this recent Mendocino fire, we have a family um, house that a good portion of the outbuildings all burned down. And the reason for that was even though the firefighters had come in and were able to put out the fire, there was a fire in inside a very large tree that was not cut down and it took two weeks and the tree fell and it started another fire and it burned all the buildings down. So going back into a fire, a fire burnt place can be very hazardous. So never enter a building that has burned or handle the ashes without prior testing and protective gear. You always have to have the proper clothing, boots, gloves, respirator, eye protection, and all of that. Always minimize foot traffic equipment and disturbance on any burned landscape because activity on slopes are going to increase the likelihood of erosion and weakening soil bonds, which Dislodge the soil particles, trampling new um, sprouted plants can also cause mudslides like we saw this past year down in Montecito and the Santa Barbara area that were absolutely devastating. We have to slow down soil movement and especially have to slow that down if it's going to go into waterways because fallen branches, plants, debris, wood chips, uh, fiber rolls or straw wattles, you know, silt fencing, all these other features, they will slow the runoff. We can check our drainage systems and we can clear out our culverts. And this is something people can do now and especially before winter to clear out your culverts, your roof gutters, your street gutters, any um, detention bases or concrete waterways. And that will allow water to drain so you don't encompass any floods And it also decreases the velocity and the volume of runoff that happens. And then you can slow water from channeling on slopes. Instead, allow water to dissipate across the soil by adding mulch and rocks or branches because those who will add, like, they will act like a speed bump and they'll slow the water so that you don't end up having a, a mudslide. And that can be, you know, again, that can be the most, um, Devastating. I mean, how in many, many countries after there's a fire, there is something where the soil just tumbles down. A single raindrop hits unprotected soil at a speed in excess of 35 miles an hour. Now, that is an interesting fact. That can displace soil particles five feet in any given direction. So we really have to stop that from happening. And if you stop that from happening, you have, you know, part of the battle is licked. Now, what, what is erosion control for soil? Wildfires create immediate and long-term soil erosion issues. They reduce or eliminate plant cover. They burn off the leaf litter. They change soil properties. And, of course, they expose the soil to the forces of that raindrop splash, which I just said is it one raindrop. Think about that. One single raindrop drops at an excessive speed of 35 miles an hour. That's a lot. So here are a few tips to combat soil erosion. Just leave the mess, but keep it under cover. So ash debris, um, smoke-damaged leaves, even rocks on a fire-impacted site, they actually will protect the soil. 
The charred remains of plants and garden features like retaining walls and rocks, that's going to protect the landscape from wind and water erosion. And it actually helps prevent uh, surviving seeds from um, drying out. Now, you're probably going to be tempted to clear out burned vegetation because it doesn't look good. But it's a good idea to have um, a plan compiled by a fire restoration specialist or even a certified professional erosion or sediment control specialist or a local soil conservation expert. And um, because you don't want to do something that is going to destroy your land more. In general, fire can have many positive effects on wildlands because what it does is it opens up dense woody canopies. It allows the natural ash and smoke chemicals. It brings them into the soil, which actually are nutrients, and then it enables habitat for post-fire native plants to sprout and germinate. And one of the best things is that it reduces the fuel loads for any future potential fires. Fire is naturally of high intensity in any chaparral country. So you don't want to employ an unnecessary management action that can compromise that ecosystem. And this is why, you know, we think of all wildfires as being bad, but some wildfires are actually cleaning out the area and helping where fires get really dangerous is when it gets into residential and business areas and into our towns. Now, in areas where trees or shrubs are damaged by fire, smoke, heat, or enormous leaf drop that's going to occur you know, through the fall and winter, that also provides soil protection from rain and runoff. And in those cases, again, we just have to kind of leave the mess and let nature do its work naturally because you certainly don't want to go into winter with, uh, with bare soil. You always want to minimize the disturbance, as I said at the beginning, is keeping foot traffic and equipment off of the burned landscape because that increases the erosion. And then always monitor storm water and bring the professionals on site for fire damage. In previous uh, segments, I have given you the tools that you need to pack a go bag and I really feel that a go bag is great to have in your car and one in your and in your house for any disaster. We're we're um, witnessing the terrible hurricanes, floods, rains that are happening on the East Coast as I speak right now. Be the star you are is doing Operation uh, Fire and Hurricane Relief, so you can go to be the star you are org. And make a donation so that we can continue our work with disaster relief. And one last thing for people who are possibly um, considering planting grass or getting a lawn in, I've made arrangements with Pearl's Premium to get 20% off uh, through October 10th of any of your grass seed orders. And all you have to do is use the code STAR20. That's S-T-A-R-20. So 20% off of Pearl's Premium, which is my preferred grass seed for for just really a, a very good grass cover, which is also very good if you are trying to protect the soil. 
Well, this is our show for today. Thank you for joining me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where I, Cynthia Bryan, am with you every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m., bringing you the pioneers on the planet, the authors, the celebrities, the experts, and the lifestyle tips that hopefully will change your life and make it better. And also, we hope your dreams will come true. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate, and see beyond your physical being and know you are already the star you dreamed of becoming. We want you to read a book this week, and we are suggesting Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America. And you may also want to pick up my newest book that just released um, last week, and that is Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers. Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. So both very, very good books for what's happening in our times today. So uh, until we get together again next Wednesday, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I am Cynthia Bryan. I thank you and I encourage you, be the star you are. Thank you for joining me and be with me next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, coming to you live right here on the Voice America Network. Make it a great week. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.